For those who know what's right. For those wedded to the machines in their bedrooms, their studios, their best friend's garage or basement. For those who negotiate with the system every day to make time for the music that matters. For those who get in debt to fund the fight against the mundane. For those who stay true to their cause even in the face of income and fame through compromise. For those who feel the power of every beat. For those who keep their minds open. For those who encourage and support those pursuing their personal dream. For those who sacrifice relationships to make sure the music is heard. For those for which the music is a lifetime, not a pastime. This is Bass Agenda 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 This is Morphogenetic, and you're listening to Bass Agenda. To everyone out there, keep up the fight against Monday. Doing welcome to Base Agendas this week. We've got guest selections, an interview, and a guest mix in from Santino Fernandez. 
You may know him best as Morphogenetic, or as Ascension Electronique, or as the man behind Fundamental Bass Intelligence Recordings, or the man behind Technobass.net. As you can tell, this guy is very, very busy. Certainly a character that goes above and beyond the call of duty for the electro community. And this first track we're listening to right now is one of his. It's Technobass's back. This is the Spless Freeplex remix. Came out not so long ago on Zero One. And uh, throughout the show, you're going to be hearing Santino's voice as he talks about some of the music he's chosen. And one of the first questions I asked him, which he's going to answer for you in a minute, is how he started to get into making his own music. say that what really first started for um what i started doing first i should say is um djing which i started back in 1997 when i first started going to raves which was really how i got into electronic music i had sort of had brief encounters with it in the years previous to that but you know that's really when i started getting serious about it and it had a lot to do with the culture which really was interesting to me um I DJed for a couple years and really started getting, um, becoming more knowledgeable about the music and the direction that I wanted to take with everything. Um, but it wouldn't be until about 99, uh, or I should say 2001, pardon me, um, when I finally got into Electrobase. Um, and a year later, I went down to Colombia for the first time in 13 years since I had left. I, I was raised in Colombia, but I was uh, born here in the U.S. And a cousin... My cousin, um, who had gotten me into music um, back when I was a little kid, I had been basically just exposed to folk music, and he was the one that got me into American music, the Peshmerga and the Cure and all that stuff. And um, he had a, a copy of Fruity Loops, and he was just like, "Oh, you're trying to get into electronic music, so you know, I got this program. I think you'd like messing about around with it." So I stayed up for hours on end for the two weeks that I was down there, just working and stuff and trying to you know, do something, um, and about a year later, I started really getting serious about putting something out, which is when I met my partner, Starry, um, who's also my wife, and we um, started the label, and right before the first Morphogenetic, the principles came out in 2004, um, close to the summertime of 2004, I met Ivan Arnau, who is Dark Vector, I suppose Three Plagues, and I was signed onto Donnelly Records, where I released on the, the, um, the Guilty Compilation Volume 2 with Escape One, Boris Divider. So that came out, then followed the, the principles, um, 
and that was obviously the start to the label. And it wasn't actually about, I would say, five years until Technobase finally came into being. switch from just being a, a listener of music to becoming a musician 
Um, again, started with DJing. Um, that was a very important part of me um, getting into this, like I said before. And, um, you know, not only did that start the passion, but it also, of course, allowed me to, to really understand how to make the music work, you know, putting two things together and making a song out of it. Um, especially with this kind of music, it really shows you, you know, how different styles can come together and that gives you ideas for more things. And um, another part of it was, um, you know, I'm sure for any, almost anybody that was going to raves, um, psychedelics were kind of a big part of it, you know, uh, a big part of the culture. And for me, um, it was a big part of the culture for me as well, you know. I thought it, it was a great way to evolve the being itself, I guess you could say. And I remember one night, I had this sort of uh, epiphany, this kind of um, realization that this is what I wanted to do, this is what I needed to do. You know, I kind of saw a lot of things in the world that were going wrong. I saw that movement as something that was doing things right. It was really trying to change the direction in which people were going. And, and um, it was just, it made a huge impact on me, the DJs, the, the live acts, by the musicians, and just how forward thinking it was. And so I really just set my mind and my heart that that's what I wanted to do. I knew that that, that was my calling, you know? Um, so that's how that started. off the show with Techno Bases backed by Morphogenetic. We got into a track by Rob Belleville, a track called Wall of Heat. Beautiful stuff. 
and then into something new from DJT1000, Outer Drive. And then following that, we got into a track by Mandroid called Anti-Gravity Machines. That's the Morphogenetic remix. And not only does uh, Santino, a.k.a. Morphogenetic, uh, released Mandroid on his label, but he was also inspired by him. And uh, we'll be hearing from him in a second now as we get into a track by Mandroid called Retrospect. The Mandroid Retrospect was a, a big one for me as well because it started at a time, um, I got into it at a time when I first got into DJing again. And I remember I had um, ran into the Mandroid Records. Uh, it was the Retrospect, uh, Electric Freaks Rehab Clinic, and the B-Boy No Comply were at the store where I was going to buy my first pair of turntables. My grandfather was actually buying them for me. And while he was sitting in the back haggling with the guy trying to talk him down the price, I was sitting there listening to these records, and I didn't know what kind of music this was, didn't know who Mandra was, but I just absolutely loved it. I loved the synth work, the, the melodies, the depth. It was just incredible. It was nothing I had ever heard before. And um, ironically enough, it's nothing I would hear of again for about a year or so, because my grandfather wouldn't buy me the records. He just had had it. He thought the turntables were way too expensive, and so he wouldn't get me the records and thankfully about a year later or so uh, a friend of mine was really into the sort of commercially um, you know and I mean commercially as far as just it was a very popular record for the racing at that time and it wasn't anything that would be rare it was very easy to acquire but for some reason he really wanted it and he traded me the Mandarin retrospect and the one experience that I can really remember that with that record is um I had an evening where it was um, sort of a psychedelic um, adventure that I embarked on, and um, I always remember it as my Dante's Inferno. It was sort of a, a, a night I was by myself, and I sort of, you know, again, it was a psychedelic experience where I sort of had to go into my own hell to kind of reach my own enlightenment in, in a way. And when I came, I had walked around the neighborhood thinking about a lot of things, and when I came back, um, the record was right sort of there in front of my pile and I put it on and I finally understood the words which I actually cannot remember all the words right now but I know that the one part that really stood out to me in the verse uh, towards the end of that song he says I can't stop loving the human race and I think that with the melodies and just how funky and profound and deep it was um, it really did something for me it really kind of um, almost like I felt like that's what I wanted to do you know I wanted to be a part of this movement of musicians who were um, very profound in, in, in their uh, message and what they wanted to say you know and, and, and did it in a way that was different from any other kind of music it was very um, it was sort of dark but it was beautiful at the same time
What up, everybody? This is Grow, and you are listening to Base Agenda. Creative process has changed over the years a lot. Um, when I first started making music, I used to listen to a lot of people's music and would really um, try to figure out how it is that they did what they were doing. And I would try to do about it in my own way. I, you know, I was never trying to copy anybody, but obviously I had never had anybody around me that was teaching me or showing me. So the only thing I had was the music, listening to the music, the the way the sequences were done, uh, beats, everything else. And so I would sort of, you know, like I said, just try to follow my own approach and doing what I felt I was hearing other people doing. Um, 
But part of what became a big obstacle for me in my creative process was that I was, um, because everything started so quickly for me. You know, I started releasing music about two years after I started making music, you know, which is a bit quicker than it is for a lot of people. Um, and so I think I got into the mindset really quickly of, you know, being concerned about the end result. You know, every single track that I started, it was for release, you know. Um, and of course, you know, I never did it in a way where I was, you know, sort of doing it half-ass or not trying to put my all into it or not really being real about it because I was trying to make something that was supposed to be a hit. That wasn't the case. It's just that I wanted it to be good. I wanted it to be something that was going to do well, that was going to really make an impact on people. But over the years, it became uh, almost in a way my own demise uh, internally as far as like making music and how I felt about it. I became really unhappy with that. And um, I remember watching a David Lynch documentary one day, and he said something that really made a big impact on me, which was that if you do not enjoy the process of what you do, um, and of course he was speaking uh, primarily about art, that either you're doing it wrong, you're doing it for the wrong reason, or you're doing the wrong thing to begin with. Maybe it's just not for you. And when he said that, it kind of made me think, like, well, is it possible music is not for me? And of course, I wasn't true, and I knew that that wasn't true, but it made me think that I needed to focus on enjoying what I was doing, and I found that I wasn't enjoying it. I didn't really enjoy sitting down and, and, and playing with the synthesizer as much as I should. I was re- really more concerned about what it was going to turn out to be, you know? And so... Once I started really paying attention to that, it really um, changed things for me. And everything started coming out in a way that was more unique to the other stuff that I was doing. It seemed like no track was ever the same. And, um, you know, I don't walk away from days when nothing happens feeling unsatisfied. I feel just as satisfied as a day when everything does come through for me, you know, because I'm enjoying what I'm doing a lot more. Um, but I never think about what I'm going to do. I always just sit down and just let things happen. I feel like that's really where the magic is. And, um, you know, it's just, it's what seems to work for me.
So I chose Hard Kiss because it was at a time when, uh, again, uh, as I said before, you know, I started with everything going to raves. And back when I was about 16, I still was too young to actually go to a rave. I, I could have gone to a rave, but that, in my personal situation, um, you know, I was too young. I couldn't find anybody that would actually take me, get me in there. I didn't have a car. Um, so me and my friends... Um, also who were just as young as I was and couldn't get in there, but we were all just as excited as we could be to, to try to go and finally get in one. Um, had a few friends who were DJs and had, uh, you know, they knew about the music and they were giving us some other records. And that was the one record other than Rabbit and the Moon's debut record, which really, really hit me. Um, you know, for me, music really from that point on, it always became about the sort of spiritual... Um, thing about it, you know, and, and, and back in those days, it seemed like every rave, there was something spiritual about it, it there seemed to be a social movement thing happening, and every flyer seemed to have a, 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 a saying in it that was supposed to be inspirational, to make you think, and the records were no different, they were the same, they, they seemed to really um, be saying something, more than even the music that we might have been in, into before that in the 80s with the Pesh Mode and things like that, which were, it was very meaningful music, but this music even stood out even more that the message was a lot more um, upfront, you know? And Hard Kiss was definitely one of the main artists that was doing that, and, and it really influenced me as to what music, or at least, you know, in that particular scenario, you know, what electronic music could be and should be for me follow that sort of path of, of saying something that was really important and, and most important feeling something that was really profound which that's what that record did for me
really epic piece of music. Uh, <laughs> nine and a half minutes long, I've got to admit, when I first received it from Santino, I thought, yeah, we'll, we'll probably have to cut that down, but uh, no way. Uh, great track, got to play the whole thing. Uh, so it's Hard Kiss, a track called Rain Cry. Uh, quite rare, actually, hard to get hold of. Well done to uh, Santino for pulling some strings in his network to get a, a legit copy. And uh, before this, we heard a couple of tracks from Morphogenetic, uh, which of course is one of Santino's projects. We heard The Driven, and then before that, the track that followed Mandroid, uh, a track called Ancient Mind. And now for another track that inspired uh, Santino to start producing music, the uh, incredible Jean-Michel Jarre. Hi, this is Tia, this is and you're listening to Bass Agenda. Jean-Michel Jarre. Equinox 3 is a big one for me. Um, you know, anybody that knows me and knows my music knows that I'm very big in the melodies and I'm also very big on classical music theory. Um, I was somewhat classically trained, um, not with the keyboard. Um, oddly enough, I was classically trained in choir, which is not obviously anything I ever followed up on, but. Um, you know, but it, it, to me, music should be music, and no matter how far we ever take it into the future, which I don't, uh, I would never suggest that we should stay the same, or we should copy each other, or we should do what was done before. I believe that we should always push the envelope, but I always believe that we should be true to our roots. You know, um, even like with science, you know, Large Hadron Collider or something like that. No matter how far into the future we go, we're always gonna. Utilize the roots of anything that we do, or should utilize the roots of everything that we do. Um, and so, with music, to me, it's very important that people follow classical music theory, and that whichever way they make the music, they make it by still trying to create real music. You know, and to me, Jean-Michel Jarre is the epitome of an electronic music artist that has done exactly that. And I think out of all his work or you know everything that I know of him that particular song is just absolutely fantastic it's just so profound so deep um, very forward-thinking for that time but it's also incredibly melodic rich and it's synth work it's just um, it's just an incredible song
one beautiful track into another one. This next track is uh, by Vettore Special. I think uh, I've said that right. Uh, it's from an album called Moon Butterfly, out now on Mechanica. Absolutely brilliant, beautiful ambient IDM stuff. This track's called Thea Part 1. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, this is uh, also a project by the man behind Juno Laser Machine and Laser Gum Records. Enjoy it. Thank you. 
the Ascension Electronique, um, the Return to Oneness, that one's a big one for me because I've been really changing my direction lately. I've been sort of going into a more down-tempo kind of direction. Not that I'm going to stay with that, and it's not that I'm leaving Electrobase. It's not, I'm just, I'm, I was really unhappy with not being able to make anything but Electrobase. I really felt like sort of half the musician that I could be and wanted to be. And down-tempo has always been a style of music that seems very daunting. It seemed very, um, you know, the guys that were doing it and were doing it right, they really knew what they were doing because it's just not the same thing as dance music. You know, it, it's, it, just, it just takes a lot more to get it right, to make it sound like, you know, the, the artists that have really made a lot, a name for themselves, you know, Boards of Canada, uh, people like that. And so this one came together uh, when I started attempting doing that, and it came out, again, really fast, and it really started reminding me of a lot of different artists that I was really into, and it was really raw, it was really emotional, and um, I really consider that to be my masterpiece, which might be kind of weird for some people to hear, that it's you know, not a fast song, but rather a slow one, but I just really feel like the composition as a whole in that song is really great, uh, I'm really proud of it, and... The biggest thing about it is that um, I wound up dedicating it to my dad because, you know, I don't really ever think about what I'm going to do. I just sort of, it happens and once it all comes together, I really start to feel something out of it and so it starts to evoke a certain sense of, you know, what it is that it's trying to say to me, which is what I'm trying to say myself from within. And um, so it was really, you know, um, my dad... But the death of my father hit me really hard, honestly, as it would for anybody. And um, it, it was a time when it really sort of made me face death in a way that I had never thought about death before. I don't, you know, I've had a lot of people die before, but when a parent dies, it's sort of like it comes so close to your door that it's just different than any other type of death, you know. Um, and I'm a big believer that, you know, you don't just simply die and just that's it, you know. And, I guess with everything that my dad had been through, you know, it was, um, I felt like he was returning to one. Uh, so it's a big track for me, like I said, just because of the way it came out, what it's about, um, and how it denotes kind of like the direction that I'm trying to go in and the accomplishment that it has been for me to be able to go in that direction and actually be successful at it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's why I chose that track.
Here we are sitting in the middle of another old school cut from DJ Sky at Borg Recordings and uh, he's chosen another winner for us. Fantastic piece of work. This is the Imperial Brothers with We Come to Rock. And any second now, uh, Santino's going to talk about uh, another track that's uh, really blown him away. Uh, the Gods of Technology being of sound mind. Being of Sound Mind by Gods of Technology. You know, the funny thing with that is that I don't necessarily find Dexorcist and Bass Junkie to be the most melodic artists, even though they can be, and when they are, you hear this classical kind of thing about it. It's kind of dark. It's, it's There's something that definitely seems 
legit there, you know. But it's their music as a whole. It just seems to have this really amazing balance of all the elements.、Um, even in its most minimal state, it just seems to really hit you really hard. And I guess what I really like about them, as far as you know. The one track that I would pick right now that really has blown me away, other than a vintage song,、um, it's because I feel like they're doing something very original. It's not anything, especially with that record. It's nothing that we have ever heard before, and it's not anything that we have heard of before from them. It's very different than Bass Junkies' work or Dexter's work, or even the work that they've done together before. You know, and so that's why I found that track to be particularly interesting to me.
track chosen by the guys over at Tokyo Electro Beat Recordings. The track is called Buzz Town, only available on cassette at the moment, but I believe uh, this guy is working on a digital release as well. And the artist's name is Suntra, S-U-N-T-R-A. Keep an eye out for it.
more of a genetic time as now was a big one for me uh, because I wasn't, you know, I still look back at all of the work that I did before that song. Um, that came out in 2009 on Sonic Device. And, you know, I'm not particularly proud of all the songs before that. I think that they are good ideas. Um, they were composed fairly well. They could have been done better. But for many years, I had sort of, um, as my teacher would always tell me, I had a handicap with sound engineering, which is, you know, I had good ideas, could execute them well on the synthesizer, but the sound engineering thing kind of took me a while, and it really um, was kind of a difficult struggle to get through. And I remember The Time Is Now being a song that I made that at the same time that I made Technobases Back, which was just released on Zero One Music with Dynamics 2 and Kubert, Megatron, um, different guys. Um, but um, I remember that, that it was a breakthrough for me. I had kind of gone through a little crisis and had sort of almost given up on making music. I just didn't, I just was unhappy with everything. I didn't feel like I could afford hardware and didn't like what I had to use. And so I sort of gave it up. And it didn't last for more than two weeks. You know, just obviously my life without music would be nothing. Um, and so I got back into it and changed a little bit of my approach, changed some of the programs that I was using and the way in which I was using them. And the time is now was the first one that started to come out of that process. And it came out really fast. It came out in basically a week and it was almost done. And at the same time, I started making techno bases back um, from the inspiration that I was getting from that. And um, so, you know, and it's still a track that even though I know that it could have been produced a little bit better, um, I still look at that track and still consider it, you know, like the beginning of when things started to go well for me. And I really noticed that, you know, when I look back at that time, everything from that track forward, you know, I'm proud of it. The, 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 the response was the response that I wanted to get from it. And uh, I still listen to them and I just, I don't really have any complaints, you know, so I really like that one.
feeling. My mind is going. My mind is going. My mind, my mind is going. 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 My mind is going. My mind is going. My mind is going. I can feel it. My mind is going. My mind is going. My mind, my mind is going. My first piece of gear was a Korg MS-2000. It's something that I had for a while before I actually really started using it like I should. It's a, it's a very complex synthesizer and it took me quite a while to learn it. Um, but it's a great synthesizer and you know, I've as of late have bought some analog equipment and everything and I still feel like if I had to choose anything I think I would feel like I would choose that it's um it really I feel it to be the core of my music you know a lot of what might sound like the signature thing about my music it's definitely that synth that has a way of um you know the whole analog modeling thing in the way that Korg did it I just feel like it's the epitome of of you know when people say that, you know, the whole analog versus digital argument and people, when, when people say that, you know, it's, it's, it's a powerful thing when you use it combined and use it well, I think that that synth is really the epitome of that. It's a, it's a beautiful digital sounding synth when it has to and when it needs to and it can get extremely wild, but it's also a very analog sounding synth. It's very warm. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful machine. Sitting on top of a track by Debonair right now. It's called uh, My Mind Is Going. 
people that was more for genetic with the time is now and now we're going to get into something really really special and i thank r21 for sending this to me uh, this is a superb version of area 5 by sem goes back uh, the original goes back to 96 r21's put this together because he's such a fan of it and uh, i'm a fan of it too now excellent track check it out
track for you now uh, for part one of the show then we're going to get into that guest mix uh, label showcase mix of FBI recordings which of course is Santino's label mixed by himself as well uh, this track here is something new coming out on base agenda recordings in the next few weeks this is the Bokanovsky process with my electro Sid. this is the myotech remix incredible piece of work by myotech and the original is pretty incredible too of course and uh, before that we heard uh, supreme jar or supreme ja never quite sure a track called supreme with ja and uh yeah stay tuned great mix coming up and then we've got the techno fix with jay mass to round the show off in about uh about an hour's time thanks for listening catch you in a minute 
This is Derek Dadava from the Neon Judgment and Neon Electronics. You're listening to Base Agenda.
listening to Today's Agenda. Come to you from Osaka, Japan. I'm the Outsider.
no estaremos tan controlados en un futuro no muy lejano habremos aprendido estaremos preparados como dice la primera profecía utilizaremos la inteligencia colectiva
Great mix there from Santino. All those tracks are available on uh, Fundamental Bass Intelligence Records. Best thing to do there is check out Discogs. Uh, some of it's on Bandcamp as well, but check out Discogs in the first place. Just head over to uh, discogs.com slash label slash fundamental plus bass plus intelligence. And now some bass intelligence of a different kind. It's time for some techno. Nice 45-minute blast of mix coming up for you now. J-Mass, back on the decks. Jones, the original mix of Crater.
we have Sergei Kawakami, and this is Migraine. Hopefully it won't give you one. Dead sound, it's realist reality. Oh, 
we've got Drive Themes by Developer. This is the original mix. And we'll follow this with Odyssey Repaint by Hyde.
ground off the original mix by Dollinger. Mm-hmm. 
is Marcel Fengler, the Stampede original mix. Thank you. 
then lastly we've got Back to Reality by DJ Urban. Hope you've enjoyed my part of the show this week. I'll catch you next time. fix there great stuff as usual mate thanks a lot and of course thanks to Santino Fernandez for his uh, input into part one of the show next week uh, two weeks time rather on the next show we have Dinerek he's calling the shots we've got an interview with him as well really looking forward to this one uh, thanks for listening to this and uh, check it out two weeks time Dinerek three more hours of great cutting edge electronic music have a great weekend cheers Shit, folks. We're going away. Go-